Hey everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. This is a DC Comics podcast where we work our way through classic DC comic runs. It's a sister show to our main DC Comics podcast, which is Comics from the Multiverse, where we do the new books, obviously. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we're continuing post-crisis Batman with Batman issue 408. So this is the first issue of Batman post-year one as well. A lot of posting going on here. Uh, and then we have Wonder Woman 13, continuing the Azarello New 52 run. We got The Flash issue 70, continuing the Mark Wade Flash run. That's the end of the Mark Wade, uh, oh, sorry, it's the end of the, the Flash Green Lantern crossover that's been a four issue thing. And uh, we got Birds of Prey issue 4, continuing the original Birds of Prey run. We have GSA 13, continuing Jeff Johns run. We have Shazam the New Beginning issue 3, continuing, well, Shazam the New Beginning. <laughs> and then we got Batgirl issue 10, continuing the Stephanie Miller run by Brian Q. Miller. So. That is the... Stephanie Brown. What did I say? You said Stephanie Miller. You can see how I slipped into that. Yep. You can see how I, that, how that happened. There you go. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. That's the, that's the show. That's previously in the multiverse. Episode 14? I guess <laughs> 14. Take word for it. 14 or 15. We're at 14 or 15. It's, just, it's in the ballpark. It's fine. I, I can't check the numbers as easily anymore, so I'll just... Ah, because the it. last one's not on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, because of course they're all split up now and put up individually on YouTube uh, on College and Multiverse, the the YouTube channel, uh, and they're catching up as we go. Uh, but yeah, so that is the plan. That is what we're going to talk about. We will start off with Batman Four Hundred Eight. So, Batman Four Hundred Eight, uh, which is written by Max Allen Collins and art by Chris Warner. This is kind of a famous issue, actually. Uh, I didn't realize it was the famous issue necessarily until I went to read it, but. It's the you know the, the the stealing of the tires in the Batmobile. It's the Jason Todd origin it's story. One of the only non-year one issues that we've gotten to so far around this time period that I've read before. Oh really? Uh, presumably in like some sort of collection. Yeah. Maybe it was in like maybe it was in a you know a, a death in the family trade or something. It was in something. And I've read it. So I hadn't read this before. So there was a lot of surprises in here for me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know about the the opening of the book, which is basically a fight with the Joker, where it's actually, I, I even realised it was necessarily a dick right away. It wasn't until it became clear through the, the story. Um, I mean, I should be able to tell from the outfit, but it's you know, it's, it's not something I'm paying attention to. They're not that distinct. To be fair, Jason's outfit is pretty damn similar. But, you know, it's basically, the world thinks Robin dies in a Joker fight, and... When they're back at the mansion, and you know he's fine. He's got a, he's got some bandages on. He's got some bumps and bruises. Nothing too serious. Basically, Batman's like, you know, I think Robin should stay dead, and they have they have a bit of a fight. And I think, I mean, I don't know what the timeline is exactly. And one day we will definitely be doing New Teen Titans uh, on this show, but like it does imply to me that maybe like we were at Nightwing already and New Teen Titans by this point. Uh, possibly. I think I think we were because I'm pretty sure because it was Judas' contract and I'm pretty sure that was like 1984 and this is like 1987. So I think Dick as Nightwing was already a, 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 like a thing for you know obviously not solo book Nightwing with the, the the proper costume, but this was just lagging behind a bit maybe. No no no. Well, this is a flashback because well, Jason, that's true. Yeah. Jason's been Robin for no, no that's, that's true. Yeah. Like, I, I think I looked this up actually because we were surprised like that like it was just Jason was just here and there was like and it was because we knew it was before his origin story which is kind of weird but I think Jason was in the comics for like maybe like two years by this point like so oh really okay yeah it'd been a while like he was around for well maybe just a year but it was it was definitely it was it was like a surprising I was like oh this wasn't just like 
a few issues before Crisis. It was, you know, yeah. he's been around for a little while. Uh, and just not explaining him at all, which honestly, I think if we were reading that at the time, we'd have been like, why are they not explaining this new shitbag Robin? Where, 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 who is this idiot? Who is Jason Todd? <laughs> Tell us, you assholes. Uh, so, but clearly this is meant to be your your uh, transition issue. This is meant to be the actual origin. And I think it's interesting that this actually does kind of reference the death of the parents. And that, admittedly, that's not unique for a Batman comic to do that. But I think just in the context of this being the first issue after year one, that there's like a sort of solid callback to Crane Alley and what happened that night. It's to sort and of like the, the coloring of that panel, uh, actually, you know, the, the very last yeah, panel, yeah. especially where under the streetlight looks like it could be straight out of year one. Yeah, I think it's an intentional kind of bridge, and it's almost like okay, so we did the, the Batman origin, so we're going to do the origin of the current Robin to sort of follow up and kind of really just establish what our current status quo. Before they realized is. they could get away with doing a whole Robin year one yes yes uh yeah but robin year one's not jason though right oh no that's only because jason wasn't popular by that point (laughs) Uh, had had jason been popular and stuck around at the time i I have no doubts that robin year one might well have actually been a jason story if he was the current robin isn't robin year one dick yeah it is well yeah but surely tim was the active popular robin when that book was written yeah i don't know if he'd been around long enough at that point yeah or maybe they and, just gave and, him and a... we kind of did his year one in just his introduction well yeah that's what i was going to say they actually just did his origin as he was appearing which is kind of how you're supposed to do it for the most part yeah you you, you let him away with it with with dick for example because it's from the golden yeah. age is it? <laughs> you know, yeah no even batman like if you go back to like batman issue one or detective comics 27 his origin is two pages <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like yeah sure whatever uh i mean at least Dick, uh, sorry, at least Jason here got a full issue. Well, half an issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would still say that he's ne- the next issue is continuing the origin. I, I, why I wasn't expecting though was the ending, which is this new school for like delinquent boys is run by a granny gangster. I was like that that final page where it's like the, the old granny who runs this place is like, all right, who's going to shiv him for me, boys? Yeah, it's uh, it's my gun. Am I supposed to know who my gun is? Yeah. She's a recurring thing, and annoyingly currently appearing in a book I hate. But she's been a thing for years. Oh, she in Red Hood right now? She she has been for the last like pre- the previous <laughs> half, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which if if you paid attention to whenever I talk about no, it, you would know. No, no, I'm not paying attention to that. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, no, that, that was a genuine a laugh out loud moment for me at the end of the issue. Was that this granny was an evil old bitch? <laughs> I was not expecting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh yeah so there's some fun transitions here about talking about like because because gordon's like hey like robin's not really dead you know he asked that first he's like well you're not going to let the press know because they're they're kind of butchering you here as vicky vale's doing a number on you and he's like i don't care what they think blah 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 Uh, and it transitions to vicky vale that way i I did question there's a scene here where he's unlunched he's at lunch with vicky and there's like a mugger like happening uh, or mugging happening down the street and he decides to intervene and i was sort of thinking like Bruce, like you can't make yourself look like you're like a really good crane fighter here. But it actually, like halfway through the scene, had him think the same thing and goes, "Oh shit, I'm doing too well. I better uh, let them get a couple of hits in so I don't look yeah, like Batman." He's yeah. up a bit, you know. Look like because he's still like you know a reasonably well built fella. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Look, look like you can throw a punch or two, but no, no technique. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of sets up, and that that lets you. That's when we get to the whole going back to Crane Alley afterwards and introduces the school. 
Uh, I, I like the Batman just walks down the street and there's like a couple of guys saying, oh, hey, Batman, uh, nice night for a stroll. He's like, gentlemen, like, a bit, a bit cash. Um, Batman calling his car uh, the, the buggy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's some influence here and in, like try to do some more, I don't know, gritty storytelling after year one, but obviously the colouring and the dialogue still feels kind of old school. Clearly, it, not everyone was just going to jump to year one quality in terms of their stories. Uh, but No, it's a process. But call, calling the car the buggy was one that really stuck out to me. It's kind of silly. <laughs> it's kind of... That's true. I would say overall, though, this issue feels more like there has been a shift from year one than anything we read before it had, especially oh, sure. in the Batman title specifically. Oh, sure, yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely it definitely feels more... I guess closer to modern Batman than the pre year one stuff felt. But it's it still a, feels it still feels closer to pre year one to us now than it does to sure, modern but day comics. Compared to the, the three or four issues we had of Batman, specifically Batman before year one. Yeah. Detective's still doing God knows yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that'll shite. catch up. It'll <laughs> catch up eventually. I'm saying that as someone who's enjoying most of those issues, but it's still doing silly silver age bronze yeah. age. Yeah. This nonsense. this issue felt a little bit more grounded, like it was trying to shift. Yeah yeah so uh so he, he obviously chases down jason when he sees jason come back to finish the job uh with the tires and he tries to fight Bat batman and obviously the issue is basically just ends with him getting his tires back saying that's not enough you're going to have to go to uh this school it's better than a regular school and jason reluctantly kind of agrees and the cliffhanger being that nope she's she's evil and awful and jason's now in this predicament and i guess we'll see how that <laughs> concludes next time I don't know. Be, uh, <laughs> fight the way out of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a solid issue. It, it definitely felt like... No, I don't know how much this is going to carry forward, admittedly, especially since this is set in the past, technically, because obviously I assume we're going to jump back to present day after this two or three I, I would have thought so. Or whatever. Um, if it even matters, like, has anything happened in the last like couple of years of Batman that really, like... Technically, we have to acknowledge has happened. I mean, they may just never address it, and it's just we continue and, on. And, and let's remember, we've just spent four issues in year one, so mm. this is further ahead than that, just not as far ahead as we technically were. So it doesn't even feel like it's really jarring. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, the only thing that really places the other Batman issues before the or yeah, in the timeline before this one is the fact that Jason was already Robin. Like if you if you ignore if, that if part, if you go back and edit all the names where it says Jason to just Dick, <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you could get away with it for the most part, yeah. So, uh, but I think what I liked about this though is that it did kind of feel like they want to have more serialization. I, I felt like the stuff that it's setting up with Vicky, um, and the idea of like you know tying into what, what Dick's changed into and i don't know it felt like there was more stuff that we wanted to be ongoing and setting up jason's origin feels like they're actually trying to make jason more of a character that they're going to do things with in future issues as opposed to just being the robin who batman calls chum and gives lessons to yes he's the robin he gets killed instead <laughs> eventually it's, it's it's not that long really is it in the grand no, scheme no death de death in the family is only a couple of trades away uh, for for yeah. our perspective so it's not that long time really at all um yeah. so uh, you know we'll see uh the art's not bad uh there is a couple of weird faces here or there or uh proportions were a little bit off on the other occasion um, yeah still i love the flowing capes that we got at this time though oh sure we i don't get enough of that anymore the biggest thing uh, about critique of art from this era is i feel like coloring for the most part you know year one aside obviously 
almost always looks kind of the same. It's almost like there was like a, a house style of colouring for comics at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some of it, I wonder, if is it is it like the the printing capabilities? Like, because we always use just block colours for the skyline. Like mm. at night, it's often purple. Like just just all right, just, it's just well, a block purple. Obviously, there's exceptions, but it wasn't the norm to not do that. This was definitely still the mainstream normal colouring that you'd get in a comic. Obviously, year one was different, and some of the obviously the stuff like Dark Knight Returns, which had just came out like a little bit earlier, and. You know, Watchmen was, you know, about to come out or coming out already. Like, obviously, there was exceptions to it where they were doing different things and trying and moving things forward. But uh, this kind of cartoony colouring is definitely what you think of as, like, mainstream comics at the time. Uh, and obviously for a long time before. Like, you know... I, yeah, and it, it takes a good few years, even from now, to get away from that. Oh, yeah, there's still stuff in the 90s that feels kind of of this style. And I don't dislike this style. I, I think the, 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 the problem was more just that everything was like that for a long time uh if, if a yeah. comic shows up now and it's kind of pulpy and has this coloring style i'm like oh this is kind of a nice throwback doing kind of an old school whereas now it's like especially well maybe not right now but like two or three years ago still especially at dc it was like okay everything looks like a jim lee style book yeah yeah um so yeah, I'm, uh, so obviously some of these things i'm happy for to go away this is one where i don't actually mind it still being around uh you know and the right size portion uh, it's just not uh, everything everything's obviously. good in moderation is, is kind of what you're getting at here yeah i guess that's what i'm saying um which isn't a complaint even in this in that context this isn't a complaint because i'm not reading that many books like this right now uh my, my point just more being is it's harder to critique the coloring because it's just like it's, the normal. it's not bad or yeah. anything like that it's just this is the standard of the time yeah that's ultimately what i was trying to say <laughs> yeah but, uh all right that's batman 408 uh what are you giving the issue uh, it's a solid seven from me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a little bit of a, a compartmentalization to it because like you can sort of split it into the the prologue stuff with Dick, and then you've got the date stuff and the public perception. Then you've got the the Jason stuff, kind of in the last third. So it's very broken down. It is. It feels more. I'd say I could kind of possibly get it into a book of two halves with all the the dick stuff and then after that um but i mean that's still pretty fragmented which is pretty well what holds it back for me overall it's still kind of fun seeing what it does with all this stuff oh my god just a nudge higher and say 7.5 uh but you know i i love getting to these issues that are kind of important from like a, okay this is the issue that actually did something in continuity that we kind of still think about today it's just fun getting to those moments and kind of seeing how it worked and how, how they did it and um, and it's it's different when okay we had year one we know year one but this one kind of catches you off guard almost yeah so no interesting uh so yeah wonder woman issue 13 brian azarello writing with tony akins on the art obviously last time we had the, the zero issues so this is actually back to the the main you know timeline the main continuity here and uh yeah it's kind of reeling from the events of the the baby being taken uh Zola's not in a great mood. <laughs> she basically tries to uh, strangle uh, Hera a couple of times. Actually, <laughs> there's a reference here to the Ice Cone. When did the Ice Cone thing start? Just I I want to say it was Gail Simone's stuff. Was I it? Be wrong. Okay. It Cause... feels like a Gail Simone thing, doesn't it? For some reason, I thought it was later than this, so I was actually surprised when she walked in. There was like an Ice Cream Cone joke. I was like, oh wait, this was that already happened. Okay. Yeah, uh, it feels like a Gil Simone thing to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's odd. 
No wait. Actually, no, I'm not. I wouldn't. No, I knew it already happened because it's in the Wonder Woman animated movie, which was like 2009. So I knew it was from before then. Yeah. Okay. Ignore my my. Ignore my comment. I'll I'll erase it from the the timeline. I'll edit it, but not really. Uh. So, yes. Uh. We have this was this old god, the firstborn, shows up. Uh. And bites yeah. the dude's head off. <laughs> Honestly, this it's like a a three-ish page prologue. I think. Mm-hmm. I love this prologue. I think this is uh, the art at its best um, in the book. It's very... Uh, uh, for, for aching stuff. It's very The Thing-esque because of the setting. Uh, it is. I think the, the colouring shines. Just, you know, the the way the, the headlights from the trucks, you know, kind of glows against the, the snow. Um, mm. Looks fantastic. Yeah. And uh, then this guy, when he does bite the head off, it looks... Uh, really strange do you know what the, the the line work specifically it reminds me of um walking dead okay all right sure if sure, you if you look sure. at that panel of him biting uh the, the 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 scratchy line work but but still kind of clean really reminds me of that okay yeah let's see it uh what i think was interesting about this prologue scene is it doesn't actually get come back up or is referenced in any way in the rest of the issue so clearly it's a prologue for the arc rather than this issue itself which yeah. uh, which is fine, which is totally fine. Uh, but it was one of the things where be, you know, we'd read these a little bit while ago and we didn't get a chance to record yet. So I was skimming through the books we we're going to be recording tonight, and I I, I was skimming this. And went, oh yeah, that's like three page scene. When, when did this come back up? And it never did. I was like, oh yeah, that's why. I, that's probably why I completely forgot about it because it was such a standalone uh, little thing. It is. It's standalone, but I, personally, I thought it was a very interesting little sequence. I mean, I enjoyed it on its own terms, just because it was kind of like, oh, who's this horror movie monster stuff? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There you got all the uh, all the, the the gods and whatnot gathering uh, Apollo on his throne, and I say throne, I really mean by the pool, <laughs> as they're debating what to do, uh, basically being worried about the the prophecy and uh, oh, well, we're not all the children of Zeus, you know. Wonder Woman's uh, you know beat up some of us a few times here, so something that they're obviously going to be plotting and scheming with. Uh, alternatively we go back to Wonder Woman who's with everyone else and she's they're kind of debating what to do about everything uh, she wants help again from the other you know the other bastard children of Zeus <laughs> yeah Lennox is like hey you know you're the seventh I think from the you know the you're the seventh that has been revealed in the, the, the 20th century mm-hmm. yes um, five five of which uh, are still alive yes I think that's including her right yes yeah well I assume it is anyway yeah, uh, me too. And then like, there's one, maybe two that can help. So, yeah, not not the best odds. Yeah. So, basically, she's she's going to go look for Soraka because she wants to know where where she is, uh, and that leads us to Libya. The Libyans. That's my Back to the Future reference. You can enjoy that. You can enjoy that. I, I do like her entrance in here, where she's walking towards some soldiers and she's in a cloak. Uh, I, I like she the just the pace. The cloak open. Yeah, the the pacing of the entrance is is very nice. Uh, she runs into a kid though who's hiding in a in like a barrel, and she decides to protect the kid. But the kid's got some like, information for her and says, "Oh, the, where's you know where's everyone in the town?" She's like, "Oh, they they all go and hide in this this like bunker, uh, this like tomb that's like up at the edge of town, whenever there's danger." So she takes her to this this tomb and they go inside, but it slams shut, and there's traps, you know, some uh, daggers and blades and knives all fly towards them. Wonder Woman protects the kid, but then looks down and sees a, a sword right through the kid's heart. But then the kid just sort of crumbles to sand, and then it turns out the kid was all along, uh, Sakara, and 
Soraka. Soraka, sorry. And we get this final full page spread of uh, the the real Soraka kind of strangling her. So clearly not friendly at a first glance. Uh, no, first and, meeting and is not going well. There was a little bit of a test where, okay, Wonder Woman says to the child, hey, I'll protect you. And then ultimately fails to. You know, she tries, mm-hmm. no wrong. But there are a lot of knives coming flying at them. And, and knives is underselling it a little bit, I think. Um, so when one does, you know, catch the child, it's not like it's a a huge surprise. And it, I think for, just for a moment, it's actually really devastating. Like, oh, she failed, right? And this child was stabbed through the chest with a sword. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty dark. I mean, even, you know, given the context, it's less dark, but I it's fo- still a really dark image. Unfortunately, Wonder Woman's face might be some of the worst art in the book in that panel. I agree, which is unfortunate. Do you know what I really like in terms of the art in this book? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Wonder Woman in the civvies, in the hotel room and stuff with the others. I really like how she's drawn there. Like, she's just bigger than everyone else. Mm. Like, yeah. not, in an, not in an awkward way. She just feels like she's got a presence. Her face in the panel underneath where the child's actually crumbling to sand is a lot better. And it's not actually a, a great by any means, but it just it functions, it serves the function as what it's supposed to be doing. But that, that panel where she's the, where you first see the kid being stabbed before you realise it's sand and it's been a, you know, a trick of some sort, uh, she just, she looks, her face is just... It's, it's hard to put your finger on it, isn't it? It's not, it's just not quite right. The proportions just aren't there. Uh, or, or, it makes her chin look really bulky. Her jawline looks huge. It's, it's very, I think jawline is. I think it's very a, a round chin. Mm-hmm. But even uh, her, even her head, her, her hair feels too tall as well. Like they, they all, just everything about it feels off. It feels like a. Yeah. This is a really insulting to say about professional artist piece of work, and I don't mean it as harsh as it sounds. But it's kind of like when, like, if like if one of us or a kid tries to draw something, and the the first time you go at it, it's like. Oh, the proportions are still wrong. Now, now the, the head looks really tall because the back of it's, which is supposed to look like it's slanting back the way because it's meant to be like perspective. Instead, yeah. it just looks like it's tall. Uh, that's what it's it looks not, like. It's not terrible. I think we should point out on the on the grand scheme of things, this face, while not good and you know one of the weakest moments in the book, still isn't like terrible. Hmm. It's just unfortunate that such an important moment in the book has one of the weakest elements of the art. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically the issue though uh, she's going to recruit some help and yeah. uh, is caught in the midst of a fight instead maybe she'll still convince her next issue I mean we'll find yeah, out maybe uh, if not there's a maybe another kid of, uh, of Zeus they can try <laughs> uh, I'm intrigued how, how you found this because this is well it's technically a new arc there is and some stuff feels like it's the new arc there is definitely a lot of follow through straight from what we had before with the you know all the gods and stuff. Um, did did any of this do enough to to start reeling you back in a little bit? Um, it's kind of a tough thing because I there's a there's a point where the the general feeling of everything is just kind of in a you know a lukewarm place where it yeah. Ultimately, like you know, all all the stuff with the gods meeting for the most part, I'm I'm kind of just whatever on. Like you know, that was definitely the the part of the book where I'm just kind of yeah. Which admittedly is only like three pages in the entire book. Uh, I, I just kind of sleepwalk through it a little bit because I'm just not super into uh, these versions of these characters. Uh, hmm. I mean, Wonder Woman's quest on its own is fine, and there's some there's some good moments in the art and the pacing uh, for the other stuff. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say. 
it's not a bad issue. It's uh, it, it's a enjoyable enough issue in a run that I'm not really connecting with. Yeah, I guess is, is what I would say. Uh, what are you rating it? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. I think it's personally, I think it's a, it's a really strong kind of uh, comeback to the, the the main run after the zero issue. Uh, does a lot to move things forward in an interesting way. Uh, and some really good art and pacing in points, but it is held back in, in other areas, like some of the key moments that we discussed. So that's why it can't be any higher than the eight. Mm. Uh, for me... Probably 6.5, I think. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable for for the, you know, the way you talked about it. Yeah, no, I don't really have any great... <laughs> like way of summing up why it just it that's what it feels like was it a 6.5 yeah. there we go the flash issue 70 mark wade and gerard jones writing uh i'd love to say it's the last time we're gonna to have to deal with gerard jones but unfortunately there is one more issue of green lantern later on in this uh second volume of mark wade's flash that we have to oh, do really? so so there is one more time we're gonna to have to deal with him unfortunately uh greg, <sighs> greg larock's on the art in this one this is the ending of the the four issue crossover with flash and green lantern uh, dealing with Grodd and Hector Hammond. And, and, uh, I'm quite glad it's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's done too. It, honestly, this final issue ultimately just solidified that this is kind of a useless little crossover that didn't really need to exist. Um, it may be my favourite of the four only because there's some really silly stuff, especially in the first half that was making me chuckle. Never, I, I never loved it. But there was some chuckle-worthy things. Uh, and let's be honest, I'm talking about Flash taking off his yellow shoe to throw at Green Lantern because he can't deal with anything yellow. So he just takes off his shoe and throws it at him. That made it's me laugh. Funny. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was no, pretty funny. I, I actually tend to agree this is the best of the four. Um, there's some stuff there that I like. Um, you know, that was kind of fun to read. Uh, Bobo's entrance, where he comes parachuting into mm-hmm. Guerrilla City with a machine gun, is a lot of fun as well. And uh, some of the, the 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 art is really nice. Um, the, there's one point where there's a construct of an uh, of an elephant, which I think looks fantastic. This giant elephant stampeding, you know, a, you know this this horde of gorillas with Hal just riding on the back of it. But you know, you know, the, the elephant's got all the huge tusks. It's uh, it's glorious. I think that that uh, that page is the the best of this entire four issues. Yeah. Uh... No, I mean, obviously we left off in the cliffhanger of Flash being all Hector Hamified <laughs> and and Green Lantern yeah. going all Neanderthal. Uh, so the first chunk, well, actually the first couple of pages is actually a recap of everything that's happened just to catch everyone up to speed, which, yeah, I mean, I think this is a four-issue crossover that could have been two issues. Like, I think you could have basically taken the first three issues and put them into one <laughs> issue and it would have all worked. Almost certainly, yeah. yeah uh but yeah so you've got like flash trying to like fix green lantern because green lantern of course is really dumb so he's just fighting him without really thinking about it uh which leads to the the the, the shoe being thrown uh flash is able to get a handle on the, the the telepathy and is able to sort of fix them both with the the bit of meteorite that's kicking around and they're back to normal they go off to gorilla city with the dog who the dog who can talk now because there yep. was a side effect of what happened mm-hmm yep uh, and they end up, yeah, big two-page spread, like you say, and uh, you know some fun stuff in here. Green Lantern uh, telling Barry, or so, sorry, telling Wally, uh, a little slip there, uh, telling Wally to dig a hole, and he's like, "Why? Just do it." And he's like, he, he sort of chases all, a lot of the apes with a, a a giant green elephant, which makes them all fall into the pit, 
And yeah. Wally's like, oh, that was pretty smart. Uh, so some action stuff to be had um, in the sense of that. And you know, they are here for the most part, because you know, Lorok's really solid artist. Uh, so I think this is, while it has moments that I think are fantastic, like, you know, like those ones I've mentioned, I uh, I don't think this is actually his best work. Sure. Uh, there's uh, definitely some points where it feels a little messier than usual, especially towards the end of the issue. There's a couple of proportions towards the end of the issue that do feel a bit off. I will I will agree. I get the I get the feeling this was kind of a I don't know who wanted this crossover. If this was just an editorial mandate or something else, but it does kind of feel like because because the plot's not very kind of gracious and how it moves through its, its story beats it, it kind of feels really clunky just to get to this point where we have like these various fights happening and like i say you could really trim all this down to about two issues instead of four uh quite easily i think uh without yeah. losing anything of value or worth and the final issue well the best of the four just kind of solidified it was just this intrusive little crossover it's easier for us to get through it now because we can just sort of fire through it a bit quicker than the actual book but i am glad that we're back to just wage flash run you know proper next issue mm. uh, so uh, there's a little epilogue uh, hector hammond and grod are uh, both kind of dumb right now i'm sure that's something that siler fixed in this book or fixed elsewhere later on uh yeah so. always the case <laughs> yeah or maybe maybe they'll just like this until zero hour and then zero hour you know <laughs> resets things that's, that's possible zero is not that far off yeah, it really isn't actually, because this is like 1990 or something like that, right? This is yeah. It's got to be within like a year or two. I must have I can't remember. I can't remember what years these issues came out, but yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, there's actually wait. Oh no, yeah, okay. Uh, the trade You're has right a. There? There's a, there's a sad. I never read this, but there's like a little story after this in the trade that's not technically the next issue yet. And I'm not sure where it's supposed to go. <laughs> oh. Ah, I I didn't read it either. I saw end and just stopped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's like a... I don't know. It's like, it's like maybe 10 pages, something like that. Hold on. Eight pages. It's an eight-page story. I have no idea where this fits. Um, I think next time we'll just read this with the next issue, I guess. And I, I guess... Was, was, was the last one? the contents page. Yeah, there's nothing uh, there for it. I checked the table of contents when I got to it, was, and there was nothing for, the, for this little story. It, it just gives you the page of the next actual issue. Which, I mean, I guess technically just makes it part of Flash 70 still, and we probably should have read this here. Uh, maybe. Uh, I mean, the main story is 22 pages. It's the full length, so maybe, unless 70 was oversized, which it may have been. It, it could well have been, yeah. Maybe maybe seven was oversized. Maybe we just made some dumb assumptions and didn't <laughs> read what we're supposed to. Uh, but yeah, we'll just read that with the next one then. Yeah, but, yeah, easy enough fix. Nothing too too bad about it. Uh, a little eight page story. So cool. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just. I mean, it wasn't a bad read, uh, but it definitely doesn't have the flow that Mark Wade's regular Flash issues have, and I'm definitely glad to be going back to them. As ultimately my thing. Yeah, I'm hoping. Okay, we'll pick up nicely from here and just. Uh, yeah, we got a good what six or seven issues I think before we get to another that Green Lantern issue. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah which I assume is at least a crossover with one issue of Flash, and that's why it's. Involved. It's going to be included for a reason, right? Yeah, unless it's just like a like an issue that Flash pops up on and that Wade also co-wrote because. 
he was could be you know yeah. make, making sure flash was being written properly i guess i don't know yeah and all that's the issue where you know the the hammond and the other are, oh maybe are fixed. yeah <laughs> so yeah maybe it's actually it's like, a oh, it's, it's important to the ongoing flash run yeah because maybe grod pops up later so the fact that he gets fixed in that that issue of green lantern is important yeah yeah we'll find out i guess uh, it's almost pointless to speculate really but uh all right what are you giving this issue of flash then flash 70 i think it would have been a 6.5 but there's the terrible neil before grod line so i'm dropping <laughs> down to a six because <laughs> that's overused enough for zod let alone doing it with others I feel like that gives it half a point for me rather than takes half a point away. So I'm saying Neil before Grodd. Uh, but I said I don't really want to go up any higher, so I'm just going to say 6 out of 10. <laughs> Birds of Prey, issue 4, Chuck Dixon writing with Greg Land on art. Uh, we obviously follow up the one shot that we had, even though the one shot was technically before the main series, give or take, uh, the, the Ravens. This is You can tell why it was put in here, where it was, because it was right before they, they popped back up in the, the main book uh and this is a fun little issue i thought um it's kind of split into sections but i had kind of fun sort of with all the all the various parts it's getting very pulpy here uh with i'll try and pronounce this all right but the maca 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 kia tu no hold on maca maca kitahu <laughs> i'm just going to call it the maki monster okay is it it could be Makachita who. It could be Makachita who. Yeah. That but sounds more right. It's easier to say, admittedly. So, I mean, I'm not necessarily opposed to going with that option. Uh, Comicsology, why have you forsaken me and not put yourself back to the first page like I asked you to when I was done looking at this earlier? All right. Uh, so, it's plenty of sections, like I say. The first section is the Ravens and uh, the, the three Ravens, that is now, because obviously one didn't quite make it <laughs> in the one shot. For now. Uh, yeah, so we got Pistolora with uh, Cheshire and uh, what, was the, what was that third one called? Mm. Uh, Vicious. Uh, she's got this sort of Cyclops looking visor. Uh, okay, Cy- cool. Cy- Cyclops being X-Men, uh, not anything else. Just to make that clear. Uh, so they're hunting down King Cobra and the big twist here after you know a few pages. And there's some fun action here actually. There's it's kind of a moment where Cheshire goes kind of like, all right, I got this, and kind of like sort of dives at a helicopter that's firing a minigun at them, and it's just kind of a nice, fun little action sequence on its own terms. Yeah, and there's some, like, narration, like how... Yeah. Just to, again, this is... If you didn't catch that Raven's one shot, this is... Okay, quick. Immediately, here's what you need to know, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she nuked the country just to make a point. She's badass. Yeah, like, so... Sure, yeah, why not? Uh, and then from there, we have kind of the reveal that... Cobra actually hired them. Like, he hired them to assassinate himself as a test. And Cheshire knew this, but the other two didn't. And it's like, okay, now you're hired. You've proved your worth. Uh, you got to me. And so, okay, so I need this device to power my super duper weapon of mass destruction. And it's like, hey, okay, so it'd be a bit suspicious if a bunch of Cobra agents, you know, showed up here. So I think you three ladies will just, you know, blend in real nice. And would you believe it that this lake... <laughs> is exactly where Dane is going for some vacation time after all the stuff that she just went through in and Malaysia. This is possibly my biggest critique with this issue. Just the sheer contrivance of... Oh, just just pure coincidence that they're going to the same place. Do you know what? I'm giving them the pass on it, and the reason why I'm giving them the pass is because 
up until now there has been no connection between any of these characters you know like the the, the plot with the birds and the plot with the, the vixens has been so separate this is this is your your incidental meeting that kicks off the story at the start of something uh where they finally intersect um i'm i am okay with it here because it's not like i don't know it's not, it's not like you know cheshire and and Dina have been having a rivalry and they've been fighting on and off for a while and oh now coincidentally they just end up in the it, that, i mean admittedly that may have some humor value to it as well i think, I think for me just the i mean there is i guess humor to it it's just it's it's a contrived cliche that annoys me when it would be just as easy to write in bab's hood that's that, that you know that 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 the, the, they were around there through the grapevine and could could Dana just go you know undercover and check it out see what's going on and that would be fine. Ah, that completely changes why she's there, though. I, I like that she wants a rest after being accidentally enslaved in this weird work camp and having to escape. I get with, that. You know, I, 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 I like this. I, I'm okay with this. Uh, but she's driving to the lake because uh, she's been there as a kid. Makachitahu. Uh, uh, Is that what we said? I think so. Makachitahu. Makachitahu. All right. <laughs> uh, so... There's a fun bit here that I really like. Uh, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. Where Dinah's kind of prodding at Babs because then she doesn't know who she is still, right? She doesn't know who her identity is. And she says, well, you're kind of a Batgirl, right? And there's a moment where Babs is like, what? It's like, oh, she figured it out? And she's like, well, I mean, you work closely with all the all the Batboys, right? Like, you're kind of a Batgirl in that sense. You know, not, not literally calling her a Batgirl. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a professional relationship, all that jazz. Like, uh, so, you know, I mean, like, I mean, you know, I usually let them tall, dark, and handsome, but, you know, Batman's a bit on the scary side for that. Nightwing, though, uh, and he's like, hey, you and Nightwing ever been a thing? So, nah, we're strictly professional, because Babs is just, you know, covering her tracks. And Dana says, well, fancy setting me up with Nightwing then? You know, like, you know, he's, 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 he, he could raise a pulse and a mannequin. And Babs just goes, I got some business on the line. Yeah. Uh, but there's a great panel I heard on the next page, uh, just at the bottom, saying, set me up with Nightwing. <laughs> <laughs> She's just muttering to herself. I love it. I love it. Uh, meanwhile, the locals are uh, aghast at just how gorgeous Black Canary is uh, walking around. Obviously, she's not dressed as Black Canary, but just, uh, you know. Yeah. So. She does draw attention as well, pulling up in a car like that. You mean Lola from the Insta Shield? Yes. <laughs> sure. It's very Lola. Yeah. Uh, and we see, you know, whoever this uh, this pen pal, this internet pen pal is with Babs, is not even alone. They're with someone else who's kind of critiquing the, the voyeuristic nature of what mm. they're doing. Uh, so the plot's thickening here. Uh, but, you know, interacts with Babs a little bit and Babs kind of, you know, has a bit of a joke with them and kind of leaves it there uh, and says she has to go. Uh, Dinah makes this young kid who works at the uh, the hotel, makes his day, Uh First, first of all, just being kind of flirty with him, uh, but later on, by uh, when when he, he tells her the, the legend, this new legend of this this, it's basically the, the knockoff version of the Loch Ness monster. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Um, but Dana noticed when he tells her this that, but I, I don't. I've been here as a kid. I don't remember anything. So, oh, it's new. It's only a few weeks old. Basically, some tourists and a couple of the locals saw something. And like, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I completely buy that they're like, yes, play this up right now. Oh yeah, this is tourism one on one. They they want tourists. This is what they do. Yeah. You got a thing? Get get selling it. But uh, one of the little touches I love though is that when she says, "Well, I don't have to worry about that," and he's like, "What? Well, why? Because I've got you here to protect me." She's kind of flirting with him a little bit and be nice to him. And it's just a panel of him whistling to himself as he walks away on his own. Yeah. Like, his day is made. 
His day yeah. is made. He's, he's he's on top of the moon. Uh, but obviously we see that because because there's one little line from him is like, oh, there's there's some other people like you were here earlier, and she's like, what do you mean like me? He's like, uh, you know, pretty. And she's like, oh, so that kind of like what starts the flotation. But we see that the vixens are here. Uh, they're Ravens. here. Sorry. Ravens. Oh, I said vixens. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you did yes. it earlier as well, but whatever. I mean. Raven, sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, they're here for something in the lake. And of course, we just heard there's a monster in the lake. So it doesn't take a, you know, and it's something that's recent in the lake as well. So it doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to connect the two uh, yeah. side by side. Uh, and Dinah notably leaves her comms in the, in the cabin, in the, the hotel room. And then we have like a random page in the Pentagon. Yeah. Well, do you not remember this when they set this up? Uh, vaguely, but it feels kind of random in this issue for me. Uh, it didn't feel random to me because I just remembered this is an ongoing thing. This is like they're after someone who's been hacking into them, and I suspected it might be Babs, but that's maybe too obvious. And there's actually a it's villain behind this. Probably more likely her, her not pen pal. Yeah, yeah, it's very possible. But I uh, mean, it, it just it feels very random in this issue, in where we just cut to it here, um, in this scene transition. It just feels kind of awkwardly paced for me. Um, I think I disagree. I still was happy to see it. For me, this is just like any serialized format where you have like an ongoing plot of some other kind. It's just there a little bit each episode or issue. Uh, yeah, I think uh, for for me, there's just better ways of doing it than just having a single random page two thirds in an issue. But what other way would you do it? I would rather dedicate a couple of pages, uh, in, in you know, and then go an issue without. Or I would rather it just be kind of a you know like an intro page almost. Okay, I guess. Uh, yeah. I did not have any problems with this. Uh, I was happy to have the plot concurring. Although I wasn't necessarily a big fan of the awkward uh, Jedi Master uh, references. I, I thought they were, they were a bit clunky. But otherwise, uh, I, I like the little subplot here, especially yeah. the, the the humorous idea of like this this guy like being determined to catch someone who may or may not be Babs. Uh, although I feel like Babs would probably uh, be too good to even be noticed uh, doing this, quite frankly. Quite possibly, yes. Uh, so we see the ravens deep diving uh, to go down to the lake, and they see a, a device that's lodged in the in the in the rock in the seabed. Yeah, looks very kind of proton engine sort of look. It looks like something that could have fallen from space, like a, like a, like a something off a satellite or something like that. Yeah, it does, and I mean, and maybe it did. Who knows? Yeah, maybe that's why it's there. And that's why it's in this random lake that no one otherwise would care about. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so as this is happening, Dinah's on the pier, kind of just enjoying the lake, and she's like, hey, that's odd. The, the water's very still. And then she sees, which, notably, the, the, the shadow you see in the water is very Loch Ness. Like, this is kind of what you usually draw, or is representing of a Loch Ness monster. Yeah, uh, pretty much. And then the big sort of dinosaur-esque head comes out, and she's like, oh my god, it's the Makachitahu monster. <laughs> uh, looks kind of cool. Yeah. Now, I think I like how pulpy this is, because, I mean, you could play them with the contrivance of them both being in the same place, but I think the whole thing feels just kind of pulpy in front of me, so, like, when we get to the end of this, and it's like, no, here's this knockoff Loch Ness monster, and, I mean, I assume what's happening here is that it's like, the device creates, like, holograms or, or not even holograms but like you know, yeah it can't be a hologram because it does physically interact yeah but you know magically creates like a, an entity that it'll then you know take away just as easily and that's why this is there quite possibly yeah yeah 
Uh, that would be my guess at this point anyway. But That or it's actually a thing that was kind of in like, you know, hibernation for millennia oh, underneath sure. and yeah. whatever this thing that's fallen or, you know, if like some sort of pulse it's sent off has woke it up. I don't know the exact specifics here, I mean, but yeah, a, you get the idea. It's a DC universe. It could just turn out to be a real monster that was awoken by the satellite yeah. or whatever. But I mean, it is what it is. I, I just had a lot of fun with this because I liked all the serialized elements. I liked the feeling, the the fallout of, of Dana's adventure in real Asia. Um, Brain and the, the, the Ravens is, is neat. I mean, I don't really care about them as much, but it's just neat that we got an introduction to them and now they're kind of continuing. And all the stuff with the monster just kind of fun. And the, the banner about Nightwing and all that. Yeah, just, you know, it's, yeah it's, that it's, stuff's great. It's everything I just kind of like about this book. Uh, kind of, you know, packaged into kind of a... a fun, it's... It's just such a fun cliffhanger. It's just, a, and it's not a serious cliffhanger. It's not like a cliffhanger where, like, oh, like, they need to pay this off well, or they have to like do something I, specific. It's just like, oh, this is a nice, fun, silly cliffhanger. I appreciate that that final page. You know, it's a full splash for this yeah. cliffhanger. It's drawn like a like a B movie poster, mm-hmm. uh, very intentionally. Like even with, the, with uh, the pose, face. I won't even say the letter, and I'll say the font on the like her her speech bubble saying the the name of the monster is very intentionally a monster movie poster, like yeah. style. Uh, yeah, I don't know that, that that's quite fun to just kind of go all in on it. I mean, even down to just the the actual pencil and line work, uh, the inking, it looks physically different to previous pages, um, yeah. and and the coloring as well. It's uh, it's a lot flatter all of a sudden, and um, in a, in a good way in this moment, you know. Um, but like you know, the 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 wave coming up just behind her head, for example, like it's a really flat, dull, pale blue, um, mm. which is very different to whenever we've seen water in the rest of the issue. It's the sort of thing actually where, if this was like an old trade before they started putting in the covers, uh, or before they started making it clear when issues ended and started, like you you could have mistaken this for the cover for the next issue because it was such a a distinct style change. Yeah, that it could yeah, be the cover for that. the next one, but. Uh, luckily, they make that clear now in the trades. Uh, you know, I'm I'm all for making it clear. But uh, yes. uh, what did you think of the art in general? Uh, you know, Greg Land, of course. Uh, was there anything uh, in this yeah. one? That... Mostly still pretty good. You have got the odd moment here or there yeah. that's just uh, awkward. Um, I thought, given that they're playing up the whole everyone's attracted to, or not everyone, but you know, the kids attracted to Dana, the, the couple of passerby, like. I think given the context of like men all being wowed by her beauty, it could could have definitely led to a lot of the dodgy like poses and body stuff that we've been yeah, playing, honestly, playing about. Yeah, honestly, those things weren't uh, so bad in this no, one. No, um, it's played fine. It's played yeah well enough with the art. I think like there's a that one where the two guys are, are commenting on her, uh, and you know uh, when she arrives, and she's kind of just strolling off. Mm-hmm. There's something about her face. I don't know if it's the angle she's at or if it's just something there's something not quite sitting right with that panel for me and that i felt when i was reading it but oh yeah but um, notably you're saying it's the face it's not like an intentional like we have to make her no like, it's not like oh this is sexy. overly sexy yeah. or anything like that no it's not that at all it's just, it's just a bad bit just, of art <laughs> yeah um which i mean land is you know also guilty of uh you know i think that's oh, yeah. fair to say um for the most part though i think this is on the better end of his scale um even for what we've had in this book so far yeah yeah, I mean it's funny because like modern Greg Land, I I, I can never stomach. I mean, this is fine for the most part. It's just you know, uh, I actually really like the cover for the next issue just because I happened to be looking at it because it was the next page, uh, which is uh, this that, the one on the 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 bikini uh, the towel bikini 
The bik- on the bikini. Yeah, she's just sort of sunbathing. But what I like about it is the, the big footprint and the sand underneath the, the towel. It's a nice, yeah, yeah. Nice touch. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, are we giving this issue then? I'm giving it a 7.5. Uh, I'll give it a straight 8. I, I, had, I had a blast. Um, and I, I didn't share the contrivance critique, I suppose, that you did. So, mm. uh, so there you go. Uh, which will take us on to GSA issue 13 Jeff Johns and David Goy writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art obviously we had the big cliffhanger last issue which was uh, Metron showing up with the, the time ship and saying hey if you don't leave now your, your, your entire universe is going to be dead in 18 seconds or whatever it was uh, so this is very much the story of what happened with the other team. We do start with the team that we, we left off with, though, uh, on the ship with Metron, and he tells them the story of what happened, and that's kind of the framing device for the for the story. Um, it's, it's a pretty solid issue. I, I think I have a critique in that it, it could have been broken up a little bit better, and there's actually a moment where it feels like it wants to do what I, what I wish it did, and it kind of like almost like teases me with it, and then doesn't do it, and it annoyed me. <laughs> What's this here? Which bit? So, right. So, so once he's telling the story, right. Once we're once we're on to the flashback of the other like half of the, the team, uh, with with uh with our man, the time ship, you know, Star Girl, Star Girl Kid, uh, Jay, Jay, Uh Once they're on to that stuff, right. So they're talking about who, what's going on here. They're looking for 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 you know, like Stan, and they're talking about the Whirligog. They're setting up that that's what he's trying to like re- reassemble. They'll let them rewrite the universe and he'll be god essentially and all that's fine and well is that it, so extant shows up and he's like haha you never expected me blah 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 and he's like you know i could kill three of your teammates yada yada, yada. and there's a big fight scene and he you know, takes takes a bunch of them on there's some fun action there's uh you know speeding around uh he tries to like you know age people you know uh, one of them jumps in to protect courtney and hippolyta is like i can't age because i'm an amazon so i'll go stab the prick is basically yes, one of the screw most- you and all this is solid stuff. All this is fun stuff. So, Extan disappears, though, uh, sort of after a bit of the fight. And this is where it sort of slows down a little and, like, fates, like, oh, my helmet's not speaking to me anymore. I can't access my spells and all this stuff. And there's a moment with uh, Courtney on this page where all this, like, they're all kind of realizing the aftermath of this fight with Extan. And Courtney says, I feel like we're stranded on a raft waiting for the shark to strike. And that's kind of what I was talking about with it teasing me. Is like I feel like at this point, they really could be doing with okay, he could strike at any time, and it's kind of a tension as we're kind of in this you know time but warp. He pops up like the very next page. Yes, he he's back at the very next page, and we're immediately fighting again. And that kind of frustrated me from a, a pacing standpoint, but also because I thought, oh, there's potential there of like them like not knowing when he's going to pop back up. There's actually kind of a danger, and in almost a Jaws esque way. So I thought that was like mm. a really poignant reference uh, to put in there with Courtney. But it, it just kind of pops back up immediately. So that, that's my one complaint is that it feels like it needs more of a break between the two fights and more up and down, I suppose. But Yeah, I think maybe if you'd spent a couple of pages going back to the other team, getting some reaction, mm. maybe. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say exactly what you do because, yeah, you know, okay, we've only got x amount of pages still and we want to get to this point by the end of the issue yeah i mean maybe shorten the first fight a little bit ha- have a little bit of uh, maybe it cuts back to the other people for you know for the, the present day stuff for like a page and then comes back and it's like you know they're, they're kind of thinking they might see something and they're thinking they see him somewhere or something you know create a little bit of suspense out of when he's going to pop back up instead here it's just kind of like oh he's immediately back yeah um, 
And I do like everything he does once he's back. This oh, is where yeah. he gets, you know, the inventive and him, you know, attacking their past. Yeah, you know, he, he takes away the, the day that Jay got his power. So Jay just sort of runs out of, like, his speed and is dressed normally. And the, these moments, you know, the hot girl is, like, is a different version of her past self. Now she's just in a, you know, sarcophagus. And that's it. Yeah, he, he basically just uh, reverts the, the helmet uh, of fate back to just yeah. gold ore. Yeah, obviously, you know, Alan tries using the uh, the the constructions of the three dead GSA members from Zero Hour, and it was nice to get that context here that this is, you know, his big plan from before was in Zero Hour, and this was like he was the villain of that story, and yeah. this is kind of a sequel of you know, of sorts to that, and that's kind of nice. And I've never read Zero Hour, so I'm sure one day we'll uh, we'll do it on the I've show. Read it. It's uh, it's all right. It's it's pretty yeah. solid. Uh, maybe when uh when our Batman gets to that part of the timeline, maybe we'll. Slot it in because there's a lot of Batman tie-ins to Zero Hour. There's, there's a whole trade of just the Batman books tying into it. Yeah, I feel like the the Batman slot is a good place to kind of work in a lot of those bigger sort of events yeah. in general because they're kind of that's the book mm. we're kind of going through chronologically. And while they're not all bat events, uh, kind of. Makes I mean, sense. obviously, there's some that don't. Like, I mean, Blackest Night you do with Green Lantern, you know, John Z's Green Lantern run and stuff like sure. that. But yeah, um, but... so yeah, uh, so big fight happens uh like i said a lot of the stuff that happens in it is pretty inventive uh but there's a whole big boom uh and basically metron just gets away because one of the things that uh our man does in the midst of all this is that he he kind of displaces a few of the, the team members uh courtney's one of them uh basically just so that metron or sort of extant can't do his thing with them they're kind of protected from him altering their past and because of that metron is kind of basically extant thinks he's killed everyone and Metron sort of left on the ship, which lets him sort of steer it and crash it, which was the end of the last issue, showing up and saying, hey, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I didn't start that as intentionally as a Terminator reference, but I got halfway to the sentence and went, oh, th- th- I'm going there. This is where it's going. I mean, when you only had one, wo- one word left yeah. when you hesitated, it's a bit more than halfway through the sentence. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah, we kind of have that ending now where okay we're back to where we were we're seeing these characters in the quote-unquote present day yeah we basically they arrive at the world that, or the multiverse that the extant starting to build and it's like a fantasy-esque world where there's knights at war and notably <laughs> there's blue knights and red knights and they're clearly based on the hawk and dove colors and kind of uh, outfits yeah, I mean, so. and they're you know, winged knights. Not uh, wings on their backs, but helmets. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, feathers and uh, the the red ones. They have the kind of the, the wing harnesses, I want to call them almost. It's kind of a way of describing it. It's it's like the, the skeleton of the wings without the actual, you know, bit to fly with. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, so... Yeah, and you know, the, the, obviously again when we explain the zero, we stuff to talk about how it was one hack, one half a hawk and dove, and then when when dove died, the the, the imbalance uh, yeah. created who and he was basically. So obviously, all that stuff's important uh, exposition for what this is here. Yeah. Um, but I think it does a good job of getting it across for anyone who's not read that. Uh, you can still be a newcomer to this series and get everything you need. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, I knew hawk and dove were. I mean, that was not something sure, I needed to be told. Sure, but even if you didn't. I think it gives you enough here that okay, you, you maybe don't get the color scheme and stuff here at the end. Perhaps. That do you know what? That's probably what's missing is that when he's explaining the Hawk and Dove backstory a little bit, is there probably should be like a little panel 
of like hawk and dove standing next to each other in costume like you know like a little flashback yeah. panel just to like show the color scheme so that this ending plays off of that that's maybe the, the maybe the other little critique i'll have is that maybe that should have been established as well and that would have been such an easy little thing to slot in yeah you wouldn't have to change it it would just be like replacing one panel with this flashback panel yeah yeah uh but anyway, it's, it's kind of a weird structure uh of an issue because of the way it kind of just it starts again immediately when I felt like it was it was requiring some downtime, and I, I sort of took that as maybe do the tension route because of what they specifically referenced. But I mean, it didn't necessarily have to do that either. It could have done something else, but uh, but it did just feel very sudden. I agree. Yeah. So um, I did I did like a lot of the the banter of these characters because a lot of these are the I'm older sure. ones, right? They're the really seasoned one with with. You know, I, uh, there's, a, there's a point where Jay's kind of trying to piss off Metron, and Metron's like, "I will dust you, human." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and Jay's just there grinning or like or really trying hard not to look like he's just grinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's actually one of my favorite moments in the art. It's him like you know, biting his lip, going, "Yeah, you know, just calm, don't don't laugh." Yeah, I think that's maybe the other thing that keeps keeps you feeling a little monotonous. Uh, yeah, monotonous, monotonous. You want know to monotonous? Monotonous. Thank you. Uh, the word escaped me. Uh, is that the backgrounds when they're on the ship is just this vortex of color so it almost feels like i don't want to say the artist had an easy time of it because he could just do this weird swirly effect the whole time without having to really i mean i don't even know if the artist would be doing that it may just be the color is just what you're swirling some paints around <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know yeah but you know it's uh it's something that adds to kind of the feeling where there's no break point to the you know, the, the, the flow of it, I guess. It does. There's very little geography beyond yeah. the ship, and they don't move around that much on the ship. It's not that big. It's, it's not like you're seeing all different parts of it. Yeah, the final page is really the only re- real location outside of, you know, maybe like when he's explaining stuff as a quick shot of the, the, the roof, for example, and the ship crashing into it. But, that, yeah. I don't, yeah, I think, that, I think there is right at the end. Yeah. Um, like there's like two panels. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, just some little things. I mean, oh, I mean, the pacing thing's maybe a bigger thing, but then the other things are just little nitpicks. Uh, but it's okay. They don't, they, they, not all the issues have to be like nines. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's okay if this is just good and not yeah, amazing. Yeah, this is like a seven, which oh, we're going to read by it. this book's standards feels kind of low, uh, yeah. but it's still like, you know, a perfectly good issue. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven too. Uh, I don't know if that's what you were giving it officially. It was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so seven out of ten. Shazam! The New Beginning, issue 3, Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas, uh, with Tom Mandrake on the art. This, uh, of course, is the third part of the four-part series, and it kind of fulfills the Black Adam origin uh, role of the of the, the run. It's kind of like most, I mean, not all of it, but it's like the middle part of it is, is the wizard explaining who Teth Adam is, how he gave him his power, and how that kind of backfired, and he banished him to another dimension and obviously savannah is the one who brought him back and billy kind of puts two and two together and goes and charges ahead yeah this this issue is really split really neatly into three parts you have the the beginning section with billy and his uncle and you know going to the the news reporter yeah and then you have all the you know shazam wizard black adam origin stuff and then you have all the the savannah stuff at the end yeah it's kind of but it's, it's, I, mean, it's, I think it's a, a good issue overall. I, I I think it has a lot of fun little beats. Uh, some of the the plot line, I think Billy going to the radio station is a little bit in the clunky side. It feels a little bit, a bit old-fashioned to me. 
I think my problem with it is it's just superfluous. And then mm. you have, you know, the Savannah kids show up for no real reason. It doesn't actually add anything if they show up or not. Yeah, it really, because ultimately after that he says, okay, there's one other person I can go see to maybe figure out what's going on with Black Adam. And that's when he goes to the wizard. He goes to the, the subway to go see the wizard. And it's like, he could have just made that choice at the start. <laughs> and it just went straight there. Yeah, like, I, I get the idea of him wanting to, to help. And he, he thinks this is a way he could help by sharing that information. I get that in concept, but I, I, I don't understand what it comes Because he gets there and tells the story and she's just like, all right then. And then he falls asleep and has to escape out the window. And that, that kind of adds nothing. Yeah, it feels a little bit like just a, a filler little side arc. Well, not arc, but like a little side sort of mission that he doesn't really need to do. Like, I think him seeing on TV that it's happened is kind of good because it's like the, uh, the, the guilt of his failure is kind of important and that kind of, you know, really hits that home for him again. But he really could just make the choice to sneak out and go see the wizard after that. He didn't have to go to the video station first. I, I mean, I did kind of... You know, the little jokes about the, the nosy neighbor kind of hearing the lightning and even the the people at the, the station saying, oh man, that, 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 that the thunder sounded like it came from inside the building. That was weird. Like, yeah. there's a few little cute lines or whatever that I did kind of chuckle at, but ultimately, it yeah, the first kind of third, the first like sort of eight pages, you for the most part, you can kind of just gloss over them and get to the real meat, which is when it goes down into the the uh, the subway and to, to you know, find the wizard and it's kind of this is one of these weird things where reading this from a modern context where you know we've read other shazam origin stories or we've read whatever uh, or we just know the general gist of things is that this is one of these things where this issue probably suffers the most out of the four because i think where the story stops to then tell the black adam backstory uh it's there's nothing wrong with it it's, it's solid in what it's doing uh, but there's nothing really that interesting about how this book tells this story that makes me go, oh, that's interesting that this has this take on it, or it has this element to it that I've not seen before, uh, which isn't really the book's fault in a lot of ways. I mean, because I can't really criticize it for not having an interesting spin on a part of the story that I, like, I'm kind of, all, not bored by, but I'm... It's, I think it's just, it's not presented then. It's Shazam just, you know, Shazam the wizard just yeah. telling the story with some historical inaccuracies that, that bugged me a little bit uh which ones in particular well, just the, the introduction to it and um, in the egypt of you know i mean if you really want to be loose with more than three millennia past before the age of the pyramids when, when the pyramids are like four and a half five thousand years old <clears throat> i'm like i mean i mean technically that is still more than three millennia but <laughs> i yeah, mean the it's 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 fudging what you mean there clearly i think the uh the writing's got some wiggle room if, if you say more than five millennia um, I'll, yeah, you know no problem everyone knows what you mean there but more than three you're, you're thinking more than three implies in the three to four range but technically it's more than three so you can't follow them <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess not but technically the the text as it's on the page is accurate it's more than three millennia it, it is true so what are you gonna do uh and i also think that it's kind of like a dull t like heel turn from black adam because you know it says that teth adam you know he didn't start as a villain he was doing what was right for for his people and then it's just this one moment where he's putting the tip of the pyramid up right he's, he's just finishing this pyramid off and he looks down sees them as ants and goes hey i could rule over people and decides to be evil there's not really anything interesting in the heel turn 
<laughs> you know, there's not really yeah, an interesting I, I motivation think, for it. I think these days Black Adam is such an interesting character. Um, mm. A really you know, multifaceted, you know, really dynamic, dynamic character. Whereas this is, we, we, we need to tell you he went evil in the space of a page. I so feel like this backstory for Black Adam feels like it's something that didn't really get updated. I mean, maybe there's differences to whatever it was before, but... It, this feels like it's right out of the Silver Age or Golden Age, where it's just like a, a switch is flipped and it becomes evil. Whereas, you know, because the whole point of doing a new origin post-crisis is to add a lot of depth to what we think of as the origins to Batman, and, Superman, and in this case, Shazam and, or Captain Marvel. And it's Marvel. definitely accomplishing it with Captain Marvel, is, I, I would it, say. Like, you know, this is uh, not flawless, and, and let's say it's very familiar to us because it's actually incredible how little it changed over over the next few decades. Yeah. Um but you know, uh, it, it's definitely uh, achieving its goal of fleshing this origin out. But unfortunately, the villain in Black Adam isn't really. Because I, I think Savannah's working fine here. Uh, I think I think his uh, Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events style. Not not that this book was was Im- Im- imitating that because that book didn't exist this, yet. This was the inspiration clearly. But uh, that's definitely the vibe that I'm getting from, and I think that works for what Savannah is in this book. I think yeah. this for Black Adam, it, just, it could be more complex and it's, it's very simplistic in a way that I'm used to Black Adam being more intricate and maybe even more like morally grey in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely kind of come in about since since the early 2000s, kind of once John started playing with it yeah. in JSA is kind of where I start associating that grey ambiguity. Um, so, I think the, the, the most interesting moment Black Adam has in in this issue is right at the end where him and uh you know shazam are fighting it out and savannah uses his secret weapon and first he's really annoyed because he's like no no, no. i wanted to know i could take him it, you know it's he he wasn't certain he, he was you know bluffing him you know playing all confident you know with with billy but he didn't know for sure and now he's been robbed of that chance yeah that's kind of interesting no that's a fun beat I, I think the fight at the end is definitely the most interesting part I, I think the art in the fight is really good there's that full page where uh captain marvel punches black adam and then there's just oh, that, great, t- yeah. that that tall thin panel at the side where it shows you how he went flying through the roof when he get punched it's like an uppercut kind of thing right yeah really smart using a tall vertical panel like that just to show the yeah. height of, of the punch yeah really good layout for, for the for the fight i think um you know, and I, I do like Billy kind of figuring out, like, wait a minute, like, Savannah, as soon as he realized that Black Adam was taken or pulled from another dimension, he put two and two together with what Savannah was doing in his basement. He's like, oh, wait a minute, I understand this. And I also like Black Adam being like, wait, you're building a weapon that can take someone like me down. That's, you know, that's how he takes down Captain Marvel. So he's like, okay, we're going to, first of all, deal with this, this Joker here. But afterwards, we're going to destroy that device that you just used because there ain't okay. no way I'm letting that exist. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, I, I actually think he was talking about destroying the machine that brought him back from the dimension. So, uh, you know, trap <clears throat> Billy in there and then destroy the machine so he can't get out. I think the secret weapon is a is a separate in, uh, bit that he's talking oh, about. Oh, I, I took uh, destroy your machine as destroying the the weapon just because it was just literally in the previous panel. That's what they were talking about. In but... in the previous panel, yeah. But in that last panel, is like, okay, I'll deal with you later. First, we dispose of Captain Marvel by sending him into the dimension from which I return, and then destroying I, your machine. I mean, it doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things. Ultimately, the plan is to, you know, put him in another dimension and leave him there. Uh, yeah, that's just true. So, 
you know, as what it is. So, obviously quite nefarious. Um, this issue is definitely the weakest of the three, and it was still an enjoyable enough read. There's still moments in there that I like, but the first third feels a little bit just kind of like a, a, a tangent. And then the middle third, well, it's important stuff to do the Black Adam origin. Uh, it's a bit overly simplistic, uh, at least for our modern tastes, and doesn't really do anything interesting with it. So, uh, it's yeah. definitely the, the most uh, the, uh, the, the, the last third is really good and uh, just another bit of the art uh, layouts that i really like in the fight is um the whole issue all the panels are just you know square boxes mm-hmm. and and that's not a complaint it's you know perfectly fine but the one moment where it's not is where uh, shazam doesn't know where adam is and he's mm. looking around confused and the panels are slanted that's when he and comes I thought in, that was a great touch he comes in with a telephone pole and whacks him at the end of that page uh yeah if I, I actually really like you can see Black Adam with said pole in the background in the panel before. Behind him, yeah. yeah it's a really nice uh, little touch. But I, just, I just thought, again, the, just the panelling, uh, the layout of just, okay, you completely break your format just for that yeah. moment. I don't, it really sells the uncertainty. I don't always love the faces in this book, but I think the the layouts and the action and the way it uses, like it, it sets up a convention then breaks it just here or yeah. there when it when it calls for it. I think it's really smart. There's a lot of thought going into the compositions in this. Uh, the actual sequential storytelling is really strong. Yeah, yeah. So, not really good. And the great thing is, is after the whole telephone fall, there's a great moment where they're flying towards each other and you just get these close-ups, you know, closer and closer in their faces. And and it really gives you that sense of, okay, no, they're getting closer to yeah. each other, but, you know, it works. And then the next page, the top panels, the, the just, just the, the explosion of impact of them hitting each other in the sky uh and then they fall back through the roof and that's when we get to the end where savannah uses yeah. the device so no like still good i'm looking forward to the fourth issue but it's definitely the weakest of the three i think so far for all the reasons mentioned uh mm. what are you giving issue three of shazam the new beginning i think i'm giving it a seven uh it would have been like a six or 6.5 but just those couple of moments with the art where you know where it breaks its conventions or does something really smart with its sequencing kind of bumps mm-hmm. it up yeah, um, I think I'll agree with the seven. Pretty much the same reason. I think the last third is really good. The first two are not that great, but and they're not bad. Like, I want to make it clear they're not, they're not a shorty read. It's just they're once just you a... once you get to the end of the book, you go, hmm, that that first third, third could have just been ignored. <laughs> the, really the, the middle one is less egregious because I get it's important at least to the story, yeah. and this is okay. The origin of both of them, so to, yeah, really. Uh, so we've got to have that in there. It's the first third that really feels superfluous. Like, it accomplishes nothing, really. Yeah. All right, Bad Girl, issue 10. Brian Q. Miller writing with Lee Gerbet and Perry Perez on the arc. Uh, so this is following on from the the you know the start of the arc where we introduced the calculator and his uh, nanite you know, main control plans. Uh, this issue actually made me think of Deceased a little bit with one uh, big plot beat that he has later on. Yeah, but, I get that. Uh, yeah, so he's got a big plan. He wants to, you know, this was, this was the test run. His device that he's built is going to let him broadcast and, like, take over multiple people at the same time. That's his whole game plan. Uh, a lot of really fun character stuff here. You know, the banter between Steph and Babs, uh, right from the start, where Steph's kind of, like, t- you know, dealing with these bikers who are attacking this group yeah. of women out in the street. And they're just kind of, like, talking, and Babs is unplugging things because, you're like, okay, now the calculator's involved. I have to just disconnect everything from the internet. <laughs> we have to be completely off the grid. And she's like, no, yeah. we're getting any lockdown, no communication, we're not doing any of this. But there's a, a lot of stuff where Babs is just feeling judged and Steph is trying to say that, I'm not judging you, I just killed a man. So again, it's bringing the continuity of the previous issue into it. 
So it's a really fun opening sequence, and it has a lot of dramatic weight kind of setting us up I, for the story. I really like, I think it's the very first panel uh, has the, the two inches of rain later, just mm. reminding you, okay, this is how we're tracking the time in this, this story, and just the mood. Um, you know, just in case you'd forgotten, it's in the very first panel. Yep, yep. Uh, so, saves the, saves the ladies and engage the detective, uh, goes to Bab's office. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I realized in the earlier issues that the guy that was on a, like a date or two with Babs and the one that Steph was flirting with was the same guy. I don't know if that occurred to me <laughs> in those issues no, when we're sure talking about it. No, I'm not sure did to me either. Um, to the point where I read this scene and went, wait, has this always been the same guy? And I actually went to DC Wiki just to check like, what the character list in this, this issue was. And it was, yeah, it was just him. There's, there's no one else. It's just, that's the one detective that we've been, we've been with the whole time. <laughs> now, the thing is, we just assumed it was a different detective. The because fact that he's they've said his name so it's not i can't even say the writing's like to fault here it's just i'm just not paying attention to the names as much or, or remembering the names as much as i should be yeah we're both at fault here right? yeah. and uh this is our assumption that just a lot of the detectives all kind of look superfluous and the same and just uh, well <laughs> you know we we see it we see my badge and go okay it's a, it's, a, it's a gotham detective that'll do but all generic good looking white dudes that's all they are kind of yeah um but he comes to bab's office and he's kind of like snipping around he's like oh maybe we'll find some common interest and he's like oh a batgirl newspaper article hmm uh but steph like, comes in behind him she's at the door and obviously she's never met him as steph before she's only ever met him as batgirl yeah. and the running thing in this book that I've been loving is the the narrator complex, the, the voice, like, sort of bleeding out. I love that there's one in this scene where she says something that's like, oh, wait, that was on the outside? Shit. <laughs> like, maybe we do have a problem here. And, ba- and Babs does it again later. So I enjoyed all that in here. Uh, all of her in her head trying to, like, okay, I need to think of something cool to say. And she goes through, like, multiple options. And then when she finally does say something, which is never talk to strangers, right? She's like, oh, come on, that was lame. <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah. everything about it was cracking well, me up. Honestly, one of my favorite art moments of the whole book is in this page, uh, the, the first page where, where Steph appears. Mm-hmm. And it's a really simple moment. It's just, um, it's after the handshake, she sits down on the sofa. But the, the, I think it, it's, it's, it has the sound effect of the flop there. Mm-hmm. And I really felt her just kind of, you know, fall back into the chair. Uh, you know, just, you know, she's really relaxed, arms out. And just that moment, like, I, I thought it was just fantastic. It's such a small little thing, but I felt the, the I felt the movement. Yeah. Because um, obviously he's like, hey, that was an oddly personal thing to say to someone that you don't know at all, that we've never met before. It's like, ah, oh, that's just me, I guess. <laughs> like, just kind of try to cover for herself. Uh, he mentions that he knows Bab socially, and she's like, oh, "This is kind of awkward." And that's the line where where he's like, "Excuse me," and she's like, "Oh God, that was out loud. That was out loud." Uh, yeah, of course, correct, course, correct. Um, but you know, and they kind of bond bizarrely over you know the person who died, where she feels guilty, he feels guilty because they were both there, they couldn't save him, and you know, it's kind of a you know sweet moment where they they kind of like. You know, it's like, hey, maybe someone's out there looking out for you. You're not as alone as you think. Which, again, it's this kind of like secret identity stuff where she knows she's Batgirl and she knows she's out there like helping them solve things. Um, but they both say K okay, bye, and like, you know, it almost feels like the opposite end of the hey you, uh, yeah, joke does, yeah. from, from like the the, you know, the two issues that they've brought that up, where the K okay, bye just sounds like the, uh, the you know the 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 closing version of that. Uh, and again, does, yeah. now. I would say she says it first here, and then he copies, which matches the hellos as well. 
But I don't think so. His is top, so so he says it first. Ah, uh, hers is more left though. I don't know. I, that this I think this is debatable depending on how you read a comic book. <laughs> No, I get it's left to right, but it's also top to bottom, um, and it's not far enough left where I, where I would say, oh, that's def- definitively first. I mean, you we could you could make the argument that the intention here is that they're saying it at the same time, mm-hmm. we, but they didn't want to do the shared bubble thing, um, but just uh, you know they, they kind of both say it. Yeah, I love her calling herself the Dark Knight uh, in her narration. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that. Uh, so Wendy uh, actually follows the, the 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 trail from like something on her computer uh when she was looking into the stuff at the the the, the ball that you know tim was at and all the fighting was going on and she actually stumbles into one of uh babsy's secret layers the one below uh either the university or, or apartment and babsy's left a, an oracle message saying hey you found this here I've, I've left this trail of breadcrumbs so you can be safe here uh and- yeah Feel, feels like bad timing to do all this with the calculator on the move yeah uh, and Wendy, you know, there's not much more of it for the rest of the issue, but Wendy's like, well, I'm not just going to sit around and eat stuff from the kitchen. I'm going to, like, get out some tools and look into this computer and see what I can figure out. So that's setting up some more stuff with her, which is kind of interesting. Uh, more calculator stuff uh, with uh, him initiating his plan. And we, Babs is, like, teaching a class, and we see everyone with a laptop or a, a phone, their eyes go red. Very deceased, as I was saying. Uh, yeah. He's spreading it. But they're all more mind controlled, and they're coming after, coming after Babs. Uh, and again, some of the stuff here is pretty funny. Like uh, when she's uh, up on the, just like drawing stuff on the board or writing stuff on the board, her narration says, "Back caves offline. Wendy's in lockdown." And then she says out loud, "I hate waiting." And someone says, "Was that Miss Gordon?" It's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like, yeah. just, I love the, the the constant paralleling of how Babs and Steph both think the same way. Uh, it happens later as well with the old crap, old double crap as well, when they both think that at the same time. But yeah, I just, I, I love that running gag uh, so much. Uh, but Steph shows up to save the day, uh, uh, despite the fact she was told to keep a low profile, and she's like, hey, maybe you're the target of this thing. Maybe to, I should... to be fair, Babs is handling herself fine first. You know, she's taken out at least one of them. Yeah, but there's a lot more to come, because there's like, hey, uh, you need help getting to your car. So they try to get outside, and there's just an angry mob. There's just like dozens and dozens of people, uh, yeah. If not maybe hundreds, depending. So they're fighting back, uh, and unfortunately, they, they just can't do it. Uh, including uh, Bab's dad, you know, Jim Gordon's there, and they all uh, basically vomit like nanites on her, and it kind of uh, encases her. Yeah, it uh, makes it look like Han Solo, basically. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that reference. Uh, oh, come on. I think it's a very intentional reference. Okay, fine. In that case, when they all get out and there's a crowd there, it reminded me of Bewitched Ball and Bewitched Ball, the te- an episode of the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Wait, wait what? No. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yes. yes. Her being covered and frozen in this silvery, granite looking material is clearly an intentional reference. There's even the, the board behind her that they're carrying her on that, that you know, gives it the shape. Whereas yours is just, there's a crowd. <laughs> there's, a, there's a mob. I will not stand for this. Well, good, you're The amount down. of shit that you pull tenuous references with. with tenuous references. And I, I do one intentional no point, visual gag. At no point have I ever, ever implied that any, any of the references I make are something that was intended in the original text. 
That is never the point I am making. I am choosing. I am using it to make a reference on my own. There is a All difference. Right. Are, are you telling me that you do not think that that could be a reference? I never said I disagreed with that. But <laughs> you could have taken uh, <laughs> the high ground and not made the reference. I am. That would be doing the art a disservice by not calling out the uh, the artist's intentions. Well, you know what? Star Wars taught me that having the high ground is what makes you a winner, and you've just lost by your own Star Wars logic. So, <laughs> only a Sith deals in absolutes. Uh, shut up! All right. Uh, the cliffhanger page, though, is that as uh, Babs has been carried away, Steph's trying to fight off the horde. Uh, and it reveals that three of the characters who have been infected with this, not only do we have Jim Gordon to deal with, but coming to fight Steph at the end here is Man Bat, Catwoman, and Huntress, who are all also taken over by the, the digital nanites. And, and as Steph puts it, this is about as screwed as you can get. Yep, that is your cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, I, think, uh, I think we did reference Deceased last time, but really? I'm really feeling it now. Yeah. So... I uh, I like this show a lot. I, I think uh, it starts off kind of slow, but uh, all good build up. And I think the back half, all the stuff with the you know, uh, Steph and Gage meeting for the first time, sort of outside the bat suit, and then all the stuff with the plan coming into play and Steph and Babs together getting out the building, all that stuff I thought was really fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, as for the art, obviously there's two artists on this. Mm -hmm. I think it looks very consistent for the most part. There's the odd thing here or there that looks out of place not bad just out of place with the rest of the issue yep. uh the the credits page itself the title page i think is one of them uh that looks a little bit different yeah um, that, this one feels a bit more like there's a fill-in artist doing their best to try and keep up you know keep up with the, what the main style is and for the most part either there's not that many pages or for the most part they're succeeding and it's not as noticeable yeah i i, I would say probably the latter that there are very few pages that I would point out and go, that is clearly a different artist. Yeah. Uh, it's done a very good job of looking consistent. No, I concur. It's uh, very in line with what the book has been, um, and I'm still loving it, so hard to, hard to fault. Uh, what are you giving Batgirl issue 10? Uh, it's a straight 8 from me. It's a, it's a great issue. I will also give it a straight 8. Uh, I feel like I've agreed with you in too many books this week, but hey. Uh, that takes us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourites of the week. We do our favourite art, favourite comic, and worst comic of the week. So we'll uh, start off with uh, best art, I guess, uh, before we go to worst. Um, this is probably an easy one for Batgirl, I think. Uh, I feel like GSA was good, but it did kind of suffer from the backgrounds being kind of dull because of the setting of the, the comic yeah um for me honestly it's down to either shazam for the the, the strong serialization of mm -hmm. its storytelling or wonder woman i think really stood out especially from i think it was akins this week yeah uh, barring like one or two panels that were a bit funny i think it actually really stood out as as akins best work that's fair yeah i'll go back girl uh worst book of the week I'm not typically uh, a fan of the Wonder Woman one, but I may. I'm. I may have to give it to Flash though, just because the crossover ultimately didn't amount to much. Yeah, I know it hurts you to do that, but that was a kind of really <laughs> weak issue. I thought uh, for me it was easily uh, Flash. Yeah. Obviously, I like Wonder Woman more than you, but uh, I think objectively it's a worse issue. <laughs> All right, what's the best book of the week then? Ah, oh, it's Wonder Woman for me. 
well, I don't have that easy choice. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, Batman was an interesting read for sure. Some interesting bits in there. Uh, I enjoyed Birds of Prey. I enjoyed JSA. I enjoyed uh, Batgirl quite a bit. Uh, it feels like a cop out just to go with Batgirl because it's such an easy favorite most of the time. To be fair, JSA often fills that slot. It does. It does. I think this is one where JSA I notably rated down a little bit because of the the pacing issue I had. So I think Batgirl yeah. does win, but uh is you know it's, if jsa hadn't kind of like had those flubs that were worth mentioning it might have been more of an even fight this week as opposed to batgirl clearly taking it again but i would say that no i mean i i think i gave wonder woman an eight as well as as batgirl um so it's not like it was an easy stand up but there was nothing that was like head and shoulders above the others this week yeah yeah no, i mean typically batgirl and jsa are my two favorites but i mean obviously sometimes some of the other stuff can rise up and yeah snatch it but uh yeah okay there you go that has been previously in the multiverse episode 14 uh you can of course uh you know rate the podcast on your apple podcast i was gonna say like and subscribe but this part doesn't even go on youtube anymore so there's, there's no point telling you to like uh of course the uh the individual cut parts do go up on youtube uh probably not this episode is quickly but by the time we get to the next one it'll probably be the, the week following this coming out they'll be going up uh over the course of the the week so you can look forward to that uh Although, admittedly, if you got to this part of the episode, then you probably don't care. If it it might up. be a useful feature if you particularly enjoyed one of our discussions on a yes. certain book and wanted to share it. Yeah, and you should so. share. You should share us. Uh, share is like a nice viral disease, but good. Like deceased. Like this, yes, like deceased. Uh, of course, you can support us at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. The $5 tier is specifically you get early access uh, by a day to this show, to also comics from the multiverse and a bunch of other shows, but those are the two comic book related ones. Uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting us over there. Um, otherwise, though, uh, follow us on DC Comics Podcast or at DC Comics Podcast uh, to use how Twitter handle is actually phrased. Um, but that is otherwise us. Uh, so we'll see you, see you soon. Uh, and... We already know what's coming after Shazam. Uh, obviously, you're thinking, oh, we're getting towards the end of that. Well, we are, uh, but we know that uh, Justice League V's Power... Or no, well, it's not V's Power, it's just Justice League Power Rangers, right? And it's just, just yeah. the Power Rangers, yeah. Uh, that's coming after... Uh, we get to do a Tom Taylor book on this show. That's, that's, uh... Yeah, and Stephen Burnout. It's going to be fun. That's not something that we normally get to do on previously. Uh, but yeah. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember... <laughs> take like, a couple of weeks off and it goes completely blank look we recorded this episode in a couple of chunks so it's actually kind of difficult <laughs> to to reference something when it's been a little while since we talked about some of those earlier books um, remember to never hector your Hammond <laughs> I'll just leave it at that never hector your Hammond <laughs>